Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm Ellie Krieger, and in this episode, I'm talking with Jasmine Westbrooks and Ashley Carter, two registered dietitian nutritionists who founded Eat Well Exchange, a nonprofit that teaches low-income communities how to grow their own food, cook foods in a healthier way, and become more educated about their cultural foods. Their one real good thing is to fit cultural foods on your plate. Listen as they share why this is so important and how to make it happen. Ashley Carter and Jasmine Westbrooks, thank you so much. Welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. And I am such an admirer of the important work that you do. And I'm really excited to be able to share that with my listeners here. So please tell us about the mission of your nonprofit, Eat Well Exchange. Hi, Ellie. We're so happy to be here. And we're just so excited to talk to you. So Eat Well Exchange was founded by myself, Jasmine, and our third co-founder, Deidre. And we were all three nutrition educators working for the WIC program. And we noticed how we were educating clients on the nutrition that we were taught in school. Nothing against that. But the issue is we did not talk about cultural foods and we didn't address um, their traditions or the value that they put in food when it comes to their culture. So we decided a couple of years later to found Eat Well Exchange, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. And we focus on teaching communities how to eat healthier using foods that they're accustomed to. So the three areas we mainly work with is access. So increasing access to healthy food that's usually by gardening or working with community programs like community fridges. We also do a virtual plant party too which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. And also we do nutrition education, of course, as registered dietitians, that is the core of our nonprofit. And the third area that we focus on is the culinary aspect. So teaching people how to cook. So that includes our culinary academies, diabetes programs, and also cooking demos. And at this time, we've actually have taught over 12,000 people how to eat healthier using their cultural foods. Bravo. That's just wonderful. Jasmine, is there anything you wanted to add to that? as well while we're talking about Eat Well Exchange? No, I think Ashley nailed it for the most part, um, which is really excited to be here and happy to share the mission so that um, others in the audience that's listening can, can share what we do as well. It is such an important mission. And I've been a dietitian since 1990, something or other. <laughs> Um, I'm actually proud of my age and my experience, to be honest. I don't hide it. So I've been a dietitian since like, I actually forget exactly, but I think it's like 1992. Um, but in any event, I, I am seeing this as such an important shift in the way we approach nutrition and the way we approach different populations. And I think there was really no look at culture, no look at different cultural traditions or very little cultural sensitivity around that. And it seems like even today in so many uh, areas online, you, you would walk away with the impression from many quote unquote influencers that you have to make everything into cauliflower or <laughs> make everything into quinoa in order for it to be healthful. And so this notion that no, you don't, right? Those foods are wonderful. I love both of those foods. But not everything has to be that. And we don't have to abandon our food ways, our traditional food ways to 
be healthy. And in fact, there's so much we can glean from that. So I, I applaud you. And I'm so glad that our industry, our profession is moving in this direction. I see in a huge way, almost in a wave. And it's just a beautiful thing. I actually get chills saying that. So your one real good thing, as it makes sense, is fit cultural foods on your plate. So no matter who you are, where you come from, this is something that's valuable and important. So tell us a little bit more. What do you mean by this? What do you mean by fit cultural foods on your plate? And also, and this is, a, I guess, a big question. Why is this important? Why does this matter from your point of view? Yeah. So when we think about different types of food, I always think of foods that I grew up with, right? Like foods that remind me of home. Um, originally from Memphis, Tennessee, when I think of food, I think of family, friends, loud conversations um, in the summertime, having the best time eating watermelon, eating all these different types of things that I grew up with. And so as dietitians, I think we have to be very sensitive to think about how does food represent our lives or experiences in our lives or even people in our lives. Um, and so when we're thinking about fitting cultural rich foods or foods that you may have grown up with on your plate, it means that we are praising those foods. We are uplifting those foods, um, but also understanding that a lot of those foods still may have some type of healthy, I guess, um, benefit to it, right? Because a lot of times when we think of healthy food, we think of like the cauliflower, like you mentioned. And by the way, cauliflower is exhausted, okay? It is sick of being the substitution <laughs> for everything that we think is not healthy. Um, so I think that it's so important that, you know, we praise that food and realize that it still has benefit. Um, so for example, if you're looking up healthy food, if you were to look it up on the internet, our foods aren't represented. And when I say our foods, it could be mac and cheese, because I know Ashley, that's one of her favorite foods is mac and cheese. And so a lot of times that's not really highlighted as, you know, having a position on your plate. So we want to make sure that you all understand that there are benefits to it. Every food has its uh, place on the plate. Um, we just got to figure out where it goes on the plate. And sometimes it means, you know, figuring out what category of food uh, that it fits to go on a specific area of the plate. So that's where the nutrition education really comes into play as well. Um, but yeah, food is more than just food. It's about experiences, people. Um, it represents so many people that we love. And we want to make sure that we kind of let go of that one size fit all plate mentality, um, especially for different communities. So you were talking about mac and cheese, which is, it's one of my favorite things too, right? I mean, it's so good. But if you say, so let's say somebody has diabetes or has um, prone to heart disease, and let's say that's most of what they're eating, then you wouldn't necessarily, it's funny because I think the word, there is no one healthy food. I think you would agree with this. So it's a very much about context. And in this podcast, I talk about that a lot. So we were talking about one real good thing, but the truth is, is that all of this needs to be spoken of in context. So I think that's kind of what you're getting at with the mac and cheese, that no one's going to argue necessarily that taken on its own, mac and cheese is better for you than say collard greens, right? If you're going to pick a healthy food, but context matters. And what mac and cheese does for you on that plate, you might be healthier to have some mac and cheese on the plate than just one giant bowl of collard greens, right? Uh, health, 
healthier for you in terms of being fulfilling, in terms of being sustainable, in terms sustainable in terms of your your uh, your energy level and your your habit building. So I think this is what you're kind of getting at. Am I am I correct in that? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, when you think about the sense, if we go around like the diabetes, you know, rabbit hole of like what you may find, right? You, a lot of times it's like no carbs, right? Or very little carbs. Um, and when you use that language with clients, they automatically think that they cannot have the mac and cheese or the sweet potatoes, which, you know, can be very healthy and it's a healthy choice of carb. So I think for me, it, it's really about restructuring like portion sizes, understanding that everything has its place on the plate. And like you mentioned, you know, if you ate a little bit of mac and cheese on the plate, that's fine. But it's not um, when we think about like greens, having a whole plate of greens is not going to be enough in nutrients to create a balance. So it's about balancing it out where it all can fit, but still be a benefit uh, no matter what medical condition or if you don't have any medical conditions, whatever that may be. Is there anything you wanted to add to that, Ashley? One thing that's really resonated with me is that as a dietitian, healthcare professional, any kind of provider, your knowledge means absolutely nothing if you're not making an impact. So it, just because we have a lot of knowledge about how to use different foods and the properties, if we're not speaking in a language that resonates with our clients, and if we're not meeting them where they are, our knowledge means absolutely nothing. <laughs> so yeah. that's why for us starting Eat Well, we noticed that too, that some of the clients we were talking to were drinking 10 cups of juice a day. So as a dietitian, it feels a little weird to say, well, maybe you can decrease from 10 cups of juice to five and making five the new recommendation. So for some dietitians, they'll cringe at the thought of that because one cup a day is the recommendation. But for us, we, we know that when it comes to our clients, when it comes to our communities, if we make attainable goals, they're going to be able to reach them. If we tell them to go to 10 cups of juice to one, they may not even try. So it's important when we're talking to people from different cultures to remind ourselves that their food is so impactful to them. It means so much. So if you tell them they can never have their mother's mac and cheese ever again, they may not listen to anything else you say. But if you teach them how that one food can be a part of a healthy plate, they may sit back, listen, and they may even teach their family what you taught them. So it's all about the approach and just reminding yourself that knowledge is great, but if we don't find ways to be impactful and to take our knowledge and disseminate it into ways that our clients and community can understand, we're not doing anything. That's true. And many of my listeners may be trying themselves to really make some positive changes in their lives. And I think that's why they're listening, right? They're, this is all about doing one real good thing to propel your life in a healthier direction. So this type of message reaching directly to them is saying, hey, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Hey, the foods that you grew up with have a lot of real merit nutritionally, as well as emotionally, as well as community-wise, and that matters. And so everyone who's listening, I want you to understand that. And that's what Ashley and Jasmine are really bringing to the table here for everyone. And, um, and so with that, really, I, I mean, one of the things I think is really interesting is that I think we don't give enough 
credence and uh, value in our society to traditional food ways in general. There's so much wisdom built into those things, right? Um, people eating for generations and finding out what really works nutritionally for survival and well-being and community. Um, so I think factoring that in is important. And then when you are told, but in our world today, we're faced with a level of availability of different foods that our ancestors were not. They were mostly dealing with scarcity and dealing with preventing um, deficiency. And now all of a sudden we have scarcity in some ways because there's food deserts for sure and hunger in this country un um, unbearably <laughs> to me. Um, but, but for the most part, we have... Uh, uh, a surplus of calories, maybe not enough nutrition in some ways. And then we're dealing with more diseases of chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease and so on. So the pictures are a little bit different. So how do you reconcile those two things? And I think you're really getting at that um, by saying, maybe highlighting what are the healthiest foods that are in your culture that are part of what you grew up with and also finding room on the plate and finding a way to build in those foods that are maybe typically demonized, um, but don't need to be. So um, would you say that, that that's really on target for people listening who are trying to change their life today? Definitely. It's all about taking small steps and just accomplishing or just applauding yourself for what you have accomplished because sometimes your goal may be to run a marathon, but it's okay today if you just got off the couch and walked for two minutes. You don't have to achieve the entire goal today and that's fine, but just continue to work towards it and you're going towards where you would like to be, which will help you achieve that end result eventually. So let's bring that also to your one real good thing of fit cultural foods on your plate. So I'm, I would love to give an example for me of how I've done that recently, personally, because I was diagnosed uh, with high blood sugar and which is runs in my family. And I knew that I had to change my diet. So I'm plagued with all this knowledge that I have to change my diet. But one of the things I grew up, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in a Jewish family eating bagels. I had a bagel probably every single day for lunch when I was in high school and I've eaten bagels regularly my entire life. To be honest, the idea of giving up a bagel was like painful to me. And I was angry and I was bitter about the notion of it. But what I wound up, and I am honestly not willing to give them up. <laughs> so I'll just put it out there. So it was really interesting for me to understand and work through all these emotions around food. Because as you were saying, Yes, it's one thing to know grams of this and milligrams of that, but it's so food is so much more than that. And that bagel to me, that crunch in the morning is important. And so what I figured out how to do is that I just scoop out the center of my bagel because the part that I like best is the crunchy part. And I fill my bagel with, um, rather than just putting cream cheese on it, I put some kind of protein on there. Like maybe it's a white fish salad from my favorite bagel store. Maybe it's a scrambled egg. Maybe it's peanut butter or nut butter. And I'll, I'll do that. And maybe some fresh berries or something. So I mix it up and now I, I love my bagel. I can have it and I have it in a way that doesn't raise my blood sugar. So that's sort of my little story about how I was able to incorporate my cultural food, which I don't think anyone would argue that bagels are the healthiest food in the world, 
but I was able to put it into this context of the plate so that it's healthy for me. So I would love to hear maybe more examples that you could give for our listeners of things like that, or maybe your own personal experience with um, examples like that. Absolutely. This such reminds me of a story I had uh, or I have um, of a cooking demonstration that I did here in North Carolina. And we had a lady that raised her hand and said, I don't think what I'm eating is healthy. Um, my mom's make, make these like turnovers and they're like kind of fried and they have like vegetables and meat in them. But, you know, the way that you explain the plate, I don't feel like I'm eating, you know, healthy portions. Right. I, I feel like I have to just give up these cultural things, the foods that my mom cooked. Um, because it's not a representation of what I've seen the plate to look like. And I think that's funny. And one thing that we mentioned to her is, okay, why do you think that it's not healthy? And then she sits there and she thinks, and she's like, um, maybe the vegetables. I was like, okay, so you mentioned vegetables in this turnover, right? Or this particular dish. So maybe you just add more vegetables to that plate. So I think sometimes we have to um, kind of change our mindset or as professionals, we have to remind our patients that they don't have to take away exactly everything that they're eating, kind of like uh, eliminate the entire plate, but it may just need some modifications or even additions. Because sometimes when we think of modifications, we think we have to restrict we think that we can't have something. So going back to what Ashley mentioned about terminology, what can we add to that plate that's really going to give it more benefit of what you may have been missing anyway? But we're not completely throwing away mama's turnovers um, because you think that it doesn't have any nutritional value because it truly does. And so then it was like a light bulb that went in her in her head and she's like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Like I can just add some vegetables with it whenever we have this particular dish. Um, and that creates more balance on that plate. And I feel like that's pretty much what you explained with your bagel. You weren't just completely letting go of the bagel, but you were finding ways to put it together where it created a balance and that was going to be beneficial for your body. Um, like you said, that bagel you had that connection with um, since high school. That's a long time uh, to have such a, a healthy relationship with food, right? So and I see it a lot with people who have diabetes because they think again, oh, I can't have any potatoes. I can't have any bread. Let's stop demonizing, you know, carbs in a sense or any type of foods that we think that we cannot have. And maybe it's just an addition of some sort. Absolutely. I totally agree. I love the notion of what can we add to the plate? So I think that's what you're really I think, yes, maybe taking away some things, but if we're focusing on the adding, then it feels like so much more positive. And we can also add some more that fit into the cultural spectrum of what we're doing and what we're, we've grown up with. And that can give us great comfort. So you were saying about this virtual plant party, you kind of alluded to that. And now I'm super curious about what that is. Absolutely. So just kind of backstory behind, you know, Ashley and I and our other co-founder, Deidre, when we created Eat Well Exchange, we had not a lot of, um, I guess, teaching or education around the access, right? That wasn't anything that we were taught in school, in our internship, none of that. Um, and so as we provided nutrition education, we started talking to more people in the community and they were saying, you know, all oh, that sounds great, Jasmine, Ashley, and Deidre, you know, eating healthy, but um, I have to ride like you know, the two 
buses and go to the grocery store that has a healthy food or I have to catch a ride from somebody when they're available to get food for myself. And so we're like, huh, it's access as well. It's not just the education component. And so one big thing that Eat Well is um, really, really gearing towards is sustainability. And so we want to make sure that our programs are sustainable. And one program that we thought of that could contribute to sustainability would be this plant party where you're pretty much um, we'll send you or provide you with seeds, soil, and also a farmer or someone that um, has lots of experience with growing their own food. Uh, and we've made this virtual so that everyone in the U.S. pretty much can be a part in it and attend this plant party. So you pretty much get information from experts that have been growing their own food for a long time. Um, we're actually trying to do this on a seasonal basis, so about four times a year um, during every season. And we get people from everywhere. I mean, we've gotten people from California. We've gotten people from Iowa. We've gotten people from Florida, um, you name it. Um, but it, it's important for us to know how to put the seed to the soil um, and, and, and to really grow a harvest that we can be proud of. But it also really influences them to keep growing and keep um, with the process of growing their own food. So that's one thing that we've been able to do. And our next plant party is actually in May. So we're really excited about that. What an amazing idea. I'm definitely going to go on your website, eatwellexchange.org to, um, to check that out. It's a brilliant idea. And I love how you're coming at this from so many different angles, you know, really dealing with that scarcity of key ingredients for so many people and, and recognize and important for everyone to really recognize that it, it is a real issue in our, in our society. So thank you for that great work. And so as we wrap up here, I wanted to see if there was anything else you wanted to maybe each add about just to walk away for our listeners here to inspire them to fit cultural foods on your plate. We do have something exciting on our Instagram and our Instagram is at Eat Well Exchange. So pretty much we started a Our Foods Are Healthy Challenge. So with that, we highlight cultural foods from all around the world. And pretty much you send us a picture of your plate. It doesn't have to be pretty or perfect, but you send that plate over to us and then we highlight the benefits of it. And we actually started this because we posted a plate from one of our followers from Jamaica and the plate had a piece of fried dumpling on it. And a lot of people went crazy. And they're like, oh, my goodness, you two are dietitians. You're doing a disservice telling people that they can eat fried foods and calling those foods healthy. So this really shed a light to us. And it really showed us that a lot of people feel like because there's one fried piece of bread on the plate, you have to throw the entire plate away. And that's what's been happening to a lot of our cultural foods. Because they're not seen as perfect, they're not celebrated. And we do not believe that. So what we do is we highlight all the benefits of that plate. We just give a couple of fun facts about the foods and their origins as well. So that's something cool and exciting. And also, if you do not know a lot about different cultures, this is a great chance for you to learn. All you have to do is just go to the hashtag Eat Well Exchange Challenge, and you'll see all the plates that we have posted. And of course, feel free to add to that as well. And I like it because Jasmine and I, we know a lot about different cultures, but there's still so much more to learn. So some of the food items we see, we're like, wait, what's that? And it gives us a chance to kind of do our own research. So feel free to send your plate over. And if not, just go over and check out the plates we have posted so far. 
That is one of the best things about food, I think, is that there's always more to learn about food and culture and foodways. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about this field in general. So I will personally definitely be checking out hashtag eat well exchange challenge on Instagram. And I'm excited to get some inspiration there. And you two are both super inspiring. And you've lit me up today. And I'm sure you've lit up everyone else. So I really appreciate you. And thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a new appreciation of how your cultural foods can fit on your plate. Go to elliekrieger.com to learn more about Eat Well Exchange and join me next time for another one real good thing. <laughs>